Hello, hello, and welcome to the Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. The Vegas Voice, the voice for your health, wealth, and good times. Friends, it's your The Free Monthly Magazine. Learn more at thevegasvoice.net. Hey, everybody, John the announcer here, and man, oh, man, do we got a cool show coming up. We have our great guest. She's been with us before, so we've had lots of fun with her. Michaela Renee Johnson, best-selling author and licensed psychotherapist. She'll be our guest today. But first, we bring on the host here, his comic impressionist, Rich Nadoli. John, the announcer. How are you, buddy? Hey there, Rich. Good. We're done with the movie, right? Yeah, the movie. Our, our parts are done. Faith uh, Wins, our faith-based movie, is wrapped in filming, and so it's going to editing uh, on the 1st of February, and uh, hopefully that movie will be out before the end of the year. Oh, very exciting. Never done anything like it before. Was that fun? Did that, you love it? Oh, yeah. Very fascinating. Yeah, John played the uh, judge in there that... Uh, that you know, locks up my character's finances. You were the mean guy in that movie, but it was good. Everybody had, the actors did a great job. Oh, it's, it's so different from doing radio. I, yeah. I, I said to the director, John Michael Hightower Jr., I right. said, boy, this is so different from radio. In radio, we use words to paint pictures, but you guys actually have to paint the picture. We have to paint the picture, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and kudos to... Uh, uh, the university in Riverside, oh, the Baptist yeah. University, that let us film on their campus yeah. and have access to everything. They were so cool. But anyway, we got a great show. We got, uh, oh, one of our favorite guests, yeah. Michaela Johnson, is here. Hi, Michaela. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, John. I am so happy to be back. Just listening to you guys chat makes me smile. <laughs> oh yeah, we just well we just completed this this movie and uh, a faith based uh, film that we actually won the best Christian screenplay award for for the screenplay and and then we placed wow. in and then we placed in the finals of four other screenplay awards. So we're going to enter it into the film awards and everything now that the movie's all done and once it gets edited. So we're we're just so excited about it cuz it was such a fun project. That's fantastic and amazing and wonderful. Gosh, that's got to feel good to oh, have an accomplishment. It like really that. it really it was it was fun to be able to use some acting chops since I went to acting school and all that years ago, <laughs> so I I need to get something back for all that. <laughs> You know, I went to acting school years ago and learned the the way that you act is not to act. That's at all. exactly right. And no, that's you're you're a you're a thousand percent correct. That my te- my teacher in the acting school, she used when somebody was line reading, she'd go say the line, and the guy would act the line. She'd go, "You're acting, don't act." <laughs> right. You pay all this money to learn that you're not supposed to do anything but be you. Just be. That's exactly right. I remember John. I was telling you yeah, that. That's yeah. exactly right. We had a couple of people. In the film that were that were over the top, too over the top, and we we toned them down. And said no, just say the line like you would say it, you know. And wow. uh, but that's good. I didn't know you went to acting school. I did for five minutes. You know, I'm always doing something new. But good for you. I, I, that's awesome. I'm big on that ever learning thing. I'm like, what am I going to learn this year? <laughs> but you're, but you're, you. I think, I think you have too many brains to be an actor, though. <laughs> she, too kind. Michaela's too kind. got too many brains to actually be an actor. It's like you're, you're too smart for that profession. <laughs> It's but, the whole being told what to do thing. It just doesn't fly. Well, yeah. Well, then maybe you should direct. You know, that's hey. It's like that. The directors they they give the orders. So uh, you know, and the executive. Well, we're excited to have you on. So you're a best-selling author and uh, licensed psychotherapist. So you got several books out. Uh, which your latest book is? Uh, which one? So ironically, I actually have one called uh, that's a growth mindset oriented workbook that's going to be coming out this fall. So that's on the heels of Empowered, a motivational journal for women. And it's so apropos because I actually spent all of last year getting my pilot's license in a tailwheel. Oh, gosh. You're, yeah. You're, you're flying now? I'm flying now. I, the FAA uh, just gave me permission to, to carry passengers and be a, a real a full-blown pilot last week. Good for you. Gosh, wow. you Yeah, so super exciting. <laughs> Listen to this. Author, author, yeah. actress, uh, psychotherapist, pilot. relationship expert. Now she's a pilot. <laughs> Aviator. You know. Oh, my gosh. So what now? Now, how long did you were you uh, taking lessons for all that for p- flying? Well, so I actually took my first exploratory flight in July of 2020. I started flying officially 
uh, February 20th of 2021. But I took, uh, I took, I ended up taking about six months off over the course of the past year and then got my pellet license last week. But it was like a month here, a month there, a month here, a month there. And then, you know, when you're learning something new and you take that amount of time, you're kind of starting from scratch every time you get back in the airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're starting from experience, but very little. <laughs> yeah. So you, you so, go, you go up by yourself now? When you fly? I can't, yes. And I took my first passenger, who was my dad. Only, only you know, sucker on the planet that would get in the back with me. <laughs> oh, gosh. So he, was he nervous? Was he nervous? <laughs> you know, my dad just made the comment, like, if we're going to go down hit hard, I don't want to live away from this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have, I have, I, I, I fly all the time, you know, because we have to in this business, but but I don't. I just. I don't like heights. You know. I don't like to look down. <laughs> it makes me a little skittish. <laughs> Do you? But it never bothered you, Michaela, like the height of it, or you there? <laughs> did, did we lose you? Oh. Get, oh, I'm here. Oh, there you go. Did it ever bother you the height of you know being up so high or? No, I, I've, I'm afraid of depth, but I'm not afraid of heights. It's very odd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't see I don't like heights. If I get on a ladder, I go, "Oh, mm. get me out of here." Or the roof or something, but uh well, you know, that's when people say that, but flying's a little different. Like I don't know, when I if I'm walking on a scary bridge or something that's a couple hundred feet, I can kind of feel that, "Ooh, I don't want to drop something." But yeah. I don't feel that when I'm in the air at all. Well, but because you're in control in the air, right? Yeah, I think maybe so. Yeah, that's the thing. And so, okay, so tell us about the book, uh, Empowered, the Motivational Journal for Women. Yeah, so I I can't even remember when that one came out now, sometime last year. And, uh, you know, I'm actually really proud of that piece because I put my heart and soul into it. Uh, I really use a lot of what I do in my therapy practice to, you know, inspire women to become empowered over their own lives. And really, it's, it's about not being a victim in, in whatever that looks like. And I don't mean like a victim of abuse. I mean, like your situation is not happening to you. You're an active participant in what's happening in your life. And when you start to realize that you have some control over the direction that things are going, it, it really helps you step outside of that woe is me space and start woo is me, you know, like really creating your life. Mm-hmm. That's exactly and right. That's what the book and, was about. Yeah, and we all know people that they they're 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 constant victims, you know, on everything. They're just always the victim and in relationships like you see in your practice, you probably see like a lot of couples that one of them or both of them are, are the victim all the time, right? Well, I tell you what, I am actually uh, currently working at, uh, at the Couples Institute of San Francisco as a couples counselor, and I can honestly say it is shocking how many people are stuck in that space of uh, you know not being not taking responsibility for their part in whatever it is that's happening in their relationship. Yeah, and and, and I don't I don't get that because I always own up like okay I screwed up you know I but you have to really humble yourself to do that. And I don't think a lot of people, I think it's ego driven, right? Absolutely. And, you know, what I'm seeing a lot more of, too, is uh, people have spent a lot of time together, like an absorbent amount of time in the past two years because of this uh, pandemia kind of little situation we have going on. And so a lot of people have started to realize, like, wow, I've been living with this person for how long? But until now, I didn't realize how unhappy I am or I didn't realize uh, who this person actually is because there were so many other things that were keeping us busy and preoccupied and not focused on what was actually um, being created in our in our lives. And so I'm, I'm finding so many people who are really wanting to live their life for themselves. And it's interesting to see that dynamic play out in the context of the couple's relationship and what's been happening. And do you see that more common in middle-aged uh, couples? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I don't work with too many, uh, and most of, most of the couples that I'm working with, you know, are under 55. Um, and young people are just a whole different category. Like, you know, the millennial generation is just a whole different category of, uh, it, it's interesting. They're very self-centered, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think they were raised watching how their parents were doing things. And they're like, you know, I don't think I really want to give myself up that much in this. And it's not to say it's bad. It's not to say it's good. It's just something that I'm, I'm observing. Um, but the but everybody in the middle, 
um, that kind of just did the whole, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have two kids, I'm going to buy the house, we're going to do all the things, um, is now in this space of like, wow, is that really how I want to, is that really what I meant to do? And is this really how I want to spend the rest of my life? Yeah, I think it scares some of them. Now, do you find like, okay, with second marriages, what what's the difference do you see in the behavior of people that have issues in the second marriage as opposed to the first? Well, I'll be honest with you, Rich. It's usually the third marriage where they're getting it right. <laughs> oh, they, yeah, they don't get it right in the second one. Yeah, because I've read a no, lot of statistics that say the second one blows up pretty quick. <laughs> I well, I think we, I think we're still not one hundred percent sure what went wrong with the first one, and so we tend to pick the same kind of thing, um, and then we start to figure it out. But, but for those that did figure it out, the second marriage is a lot more calm. It's a lot more peaceful. It's, um, you know, it's usually filled with a certain level of respect and admiration, but but truly, I mean, what I really, really see is when people have a sense of self and hold on to that and um, can keep that throughout the coupledom, it's so much more successful for them. When, when each partner is comfortable with me and comfortable with us and comfortable with you, you know, that triad, right? There's me, you, and us. And uh, when they're comfortable in that space and, and feeling confident, it's, it's, far more successful of a, of a partnership and a relationship than I see when there's that vying for attention or trying to change someone or trying to fix someone that just never ends very well. Yeah. And, and so, so what do you find about, okay, in, in, in a lot of these couples where one person is kind of like a doormat and they just let this other person, even though they don't really like what that other person's doing, they just put up with it. Can, can people be happy like that? Because I see that a lot in couples that I know. You know, you, you can sacrifice a lot and live a life and people do it all the time for financial reasons, for yeah. kids, for whatever. But the answer is no. If you're not thriving as an individual, you're not going to be happy. It's just all there is to it. Yeah. And you see, is that pretty common? You see that a lot? All the time. All the time. And, you know, what it really boils down to is it's it's creating a sense of self and building up your confidence and knowing who you are and living the life that you want to live and then doing it with a partner, not not the other way around. Yeah, because there's because if it's yeah, because if you have one person who's fulfilled in their career and the other person is kind of floundering, it doesn't work because there's jealousy there probably. Right. Yep resentment, jealousy, they're going to be dragging you down, misery loves company. I've seen sabotage. I've seen it all. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, the, 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 yeah, because I had a, uh, an ex-girlfriend who was, uh, who was with a, a husband at one time and, and she was, she had a career and he didn't, he was floundering and he used to always cut her down, you know, and I'm going, oh, yeah. and I'm going, he was jealous is what it was. It's interesting. I've been doing a lot of research lately on masculine and feminine energies, and that toxic masculinity is very threatening, not only to a relationship, but to our society. I think that when men are confident and comfortable in their masculinity in a way that's not toxic, women can thrive in a very nurturing and feminine way. And it's a beautiful synergy when it, when you see it and people know it when they feel it, they know it, they see it, they go, ah, that's, there's something about them and that's beautiful. Um, when people are at odds, especially when men are stuck in that very toxic, um, kind of gruff, you know, sit down woman kind of mentality. Yeah. Uh, you can feel it. You can feel it when they walk into a room. You can feel her oppression and her brokenness. She's not thriving in her nurturing, um, sensual, soft self. And, you know, he's got that asshole, douchey, and, you know, oops, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, way about it. Hopefully right. you can bloop that out. No, that's <laughs> sorry, okay. Sorry, no. That's okay. No worries. No worries. So, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, you, you know, it's almost like they're, they feel their masculinity is threatened by a successful woman or or a woman who is in a, a powerful position, you know, and an independent woman. I see that a lot with a lot of guys. Well, and the flip of that is I encourage my woman, my women, you know, that I work with, I encourage them, settle into that role and embrace it. Like, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking your partner to take out the trash or to pick up that heavy bag of dog food or whatever it is. It's a beautiful thing and they want to do it. The men want to be the hero. 
And when women can find a space of, you know, I don't have to prove anything to the world and I can be soft and loved and held and have my hair played with and my shoulders rubbed and get kisses on my neck, it's a beautiful thing too. It's it's absolutely beautiful. And when you see it, you know it. I, I mean, it's just, it's really profound. And I'll have, I have a handful of couples who they're glowing in it and they're here because they just want to make sure that they're communicating and keeping up on their boundaries and things like that. And it's beautiful. You know, it's very, it's, it's an easy hour for me, I call it. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you hear about all the, you know, all the, the problems in, in, uh, in people's, you know, relationships and stuff, I think, I just think of that line of that, that Richard Gere had in the movie Pretty Woman when he went, there was like a silence and he goes, impossible relationships my favorite my favorite line is when she goes back into the into the shop with all her bags and says you wouldn't help me yesterday big mistake big mistake huge <laughs> yes that was a great that was a there you go you know the movie we're talking to oh, Ma- yeah. michaela renee johnson she's a, li- a licensed psychotherapist uh couples relationship expert uh best-selling author and pilot and uh, her website is uh, beyoufindhappy.com. Beyoufindhappy.com. We'll take a quick break. we got more to chat with Michaela about right after this. Oh, yeah. And when you go to beyoufindhappy, it's the words beyoufindhappy.com. It says ready to soar, asking you the question, well, who better to help you soar than licensed pilot Michaela Renee Johnson? <laughs> hey, folks, stick around. We'll have more right after this. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. Well, maybe I am. If you're buying a diamond ring for your wife, it's not cool to be cheap. If you're buying airline tickets, oh, it's very cool to be cheap and called Trip Amigo, where you can fly anywhere in the world and save up to 75% on over 500 airlines and 300,000 hotels, plus rental cars and vacation packages. Visit family, friends, or go on a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Go ahead. Be cheap. We have special fares we're not allowed to publish. When you book your airline reservations with Trip Amigo, you'll spend your travel money when you get there, not by getting there. Call Trip Amigo now and mention the travel code Amigo and save even more. Call Trip Amigo now. 701-581-9605. 701-581-9605. That's 701-581-9605. Celebrity voice impersonated. Well, this is Dr. Phil talking at you. You know all those messed up kids you see on my TV show? Well, they're not book readers. Your kids need something fun to read. That's why I recommend American Stonehenge. It's a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. That's jimmyandandrew.com. Use promo code RICH25 and receive a 25% discount. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Get your kids reading. That way, they stay off my TV show. What were you thinking? Hi there. I'm pretty sure I'm Bruce Baum. And if you like hot sauce, you're going to really like... My new Noggin Blast organic hot sauces, available at NogginBlast.com. These are hot sauces the whole family can enjoy, depending on how you raised your family. Every bottle is signed by me, whether you want me to or not. So if you want some, it's at NogginBlast.com. That's N-O-G-G-I-N-B-L-A-S-T. NogginBlast.com. NogginBlast.com. Welcome back to the Vegas Voice. Now, here again, the host, comic impressionist Rich Natoli. We are back. We're talking to best-selling author and licensed psychotherapist relationship expert, Michaela Renee Johnson. And her website is uh, beyoufindhappy.com. B-U. So the words, beyoufindhappy.com. So, Michaela, so... Okay, what the the most common thing? I mean, you know, we hear this over and over again with couples and uh, communication, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, what happens is, you know, we we don't we don't uh, communicate to listen. We communicate to defend, and so I find with my couples, what they're doing is um, they're so busy formulating their retort, they're not actually hearing what the other person is saying. And then the other thing is, we show up in this very defensive way where. We're afraid to get vulnerable. Um, we're afraid to tap, tap into our heart space. So, you know, my couples at first, they love to say, well, this is what happened. And they give me all the nitty gritty about like what happened at the, you know, particular dinner party or the event or whatever. And it's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm not listening for that. I'm listening for what you felt. Like, what, what did you feel when this certain thing happened? And then when I slow it down to them, it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I felt unvalidated. I didn't feel like he was hearing me. Okay. Well, you're going to get a lot further. Um, than barking at him about he did this and he did that and you this and you that, then if you were to just show up and say, you know, when this happened, I felt really unheard. I felt really unseen. Um, and that makes my heart hurt. You're going to get a lot further with your partner when you're communicating like that than saying, you know, when you when you didn't get me a glass of wine and you were laughing with that girl, bah, 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 now the other person's not even hearing. They're just getting on the defensive because they're trying to defend the position that they didn't mean to not bring you a glass of wine or that they didn't mean to look at this other girl the wrong way. Um, whereas, you know, if you just show up and say, you know, at the dinner party, I, you know, when this happened, I felt really unseen and I want to be the most important thing in your world. Uh, then your partner's going to look at you and say, wow, that is not what I intended at all. I'm so sorry. I love you. And so it's about stripping it down. It's about getting vulnerable and it's about really, you know, I don't want to hear all the crap. Um, gosh, if I had a dollar for all of the different scenarios that I've seen play out when people just want me to, they want my validation as a therapist. I'm yeah. not going to give it to them. That's not my job. You know, my job is to help you guys figure out how to communicate better together. Yeah. And, and how common is, okay, People from first marriages or whatever, how common is them taking the same issues into the second one? Uh, this is what I'm saying. I see this a lot. Unfortunately, if we don't heal ourselves in between, we pick the same thing. So we really have to work on healing ourselves and learning how to show up in our relationships in a better way. Um, we all have the baggage. It's about how you package it, how you unpack it, how you put it back together in the suitcase and bring it along with you. And it usually <laughs> takes a couple of tries, you know. Um, so when I when I see people doing it well, it's really a glorious thing, but it takes work. It takes time. And we tend to continue to pick these relationships until we figure it out. Yeah. So if somebody's a, a victim mentality in the first marriage, they're going to be that same thing, right? Unless they really, really worked on it. Unless they decided that they don't want to be a victim in their life anymore, they're going to pick a relationship that's going to further that that narrative that they're creating. It's going to continue their story. And, and, you know, where it really comes from is it's comfortable. I, I know this. This is comfortable to me. When I play this way, I know what to expect. When I get outside of myself and do the work, things get uncomfortable. I'm ripping a Band-Aid off. I'm having to, you know, fix things. And that never feels very good for anybody. But that's the way you have to do it. Yeah. And what's the time like what's the time frame into the most common anyways? I know it's just like a rough guesstimate, but the time frame of of when somebody's married, let's say for the second time that they start having issues like is it two years down the line, three years down? You know, what do you what do you find? It all depends, but I see it within six months. I mean, right away you start to notice. Yeah, I saw a meme that said, here's a dozen red flags. (laughs) Like, is it because they didn't, they didn't look at the red flags beforehand, you mean? Right. Like they see them as red roses, but they're really red flags. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they have the rose colored glasses on at the beginning, right? (laughs) Yeah. So you think it's like, oh, look at this beautiful bouquet, but really all these red flags that you're just not willing to notice. So you really see people that you're counseling six months into their marriage? That's not a good uh, sign, these, is it? <laughs> no, these days, especially with the pandemic, I mean, people moved in with each other when the pandemic started. They were new in relationships and they moved in so that they could, you know, be together and not have to do the quarantine oh, thing. God. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Then they yeah, want to kill like, them right away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, oh pretty much. Oh, my gosh. And so now, OK, wh- OK, so how common? Yeah. How common is settling like in, in people that want to get married again or whatever, do, do you find that a lot of them settle instead of waiting because now they're a little bit older and they feel pressured or, or, or you know, to that with the time thing, even though they're not, you know, you know, they're not having kids again, but 
Do, do you see that? What I see, what I see more there is that people are um, uncomfortable alone. They they don't know how to be alone. And granted, you know, humans are social beings. We don't want to be alone, but um, they tend to rush into scenarios because they're afraid to be alone and or for financial reasons. So it's like, you know, out here in California is very expensive. So let's just move in together and cover the the rent together. And now that's better. And but that that's when we get into these sticky situations where people are kind of settling for situations that they wouldn't have otherwise chosen had they been more comfortable in their own skin, had they been more, you know, financially stable, et cetera. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so, so what, what those, okay. Since the pandemic, would you say that more people are having problems or more people are kind of, finding good that they didn't know before from what you see no. with the couples <laughs> at, at the beginning of the pandemic there was this whole survival mode thing like you're my person you're my team member we're doing this together yeah. that lasted about six months and then the past year and a half has been nothing but carnage i mean literally like a snowstorm snowstorm just obliterated the entire you know and, 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 are, and are these from people? Are these from people that have been together for a long time before that? I see. I see both. I, I'm seeing people that have been together for twenty, thirty years. People that have been together for five, ten. People that have been together for six months because they got together early on in the pandemic, moved in together. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's really interesting because that's like a trauma bonding situation. Um, so there's, it, it's been a really interesting time to be in the world of psychotherapy and seeing what's happening and how this is playing out. Yeah, boy, I'd love to be a fly on the wall while you counsel these people to see are they are they are a lot of them playing the blame game, do you find? No, not at this point. At this point people are exhausted, broken and just like whatever, take it all, I don't care. Oh, they're at the yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're like so give, at the giving at up. Point. Yeah, they're kind of the, giving the up. The blame stopped about six months ago from just what I'm seeing as an overall arcing theme. But you know, I've been preaching about this stuff on my social media since the pandemic started. Yeah. Um, as a psychotherapist, I'm like, hey, this is cool and all, but this is what we're going to see within six months. And sure enough, I mean, you know, I was very vocal about it because I I know the psychology of the human mind. I know the psychology of isolation. I know the psychology of you know, um, social distancing as a social species. So all of these different things I've been kind of very vocal about from early on. And that was an interesting thing, too. I got a lot of pushback from people that were like, how could you? How could you talk like this? And it's like, because it doesn't matter at the end of the day, unless people are bleeding out of every orifice, there's nothing that could be so damaging as what's going to come in, what's coming from a psychological standpoint. Nothing. And we'll feel this for generations to come. And, and you, so do you think a lot of this is just driven by the fear of this whole vir- yeah. virus thing? And- yes. There is there is uh, nothing more motivating than fear. There is nothing more paralyzing than fear. And at the end of the day, you know, that is a killer. I mean, it really is. And so my other question is, okay, how, how many – what, what's the the average amount of people that are actually spiritual that maybe that are being counseled that talk about you know God having God in their relationship in their life to alleviate a lot of the fear to have a belief system do you find that or a lot of people don't it's interesting I feel like uh, the past couple of generations have been um, conditioned that you know spirituality is really about shame and purgatory and to walk away from that and i do think that the lack of um the lack of uh spiritual or religious um belief is probably a lot of the reasons that we've gotten where we are as a society um you know there's kind of this looseness about things that um everybody's going to get a trophy and everybody's going to have rainbows and butterflies. And, you know, people have really come to a space of having no grit and resiliency in their life whatsoever. If we're hot, we turn on the air conditioner. If we're cold, we turn on the heater. We don't know how to sit with stuff that doesn't feel good. And, um, and, you know, it's interesting as things are happening, it's like there's been no promises that life was going to be a cakewalk. And yet people have this expectation that it's supposed to be. And when you have a challenging time and you don't have a spirit self or a, you know, religious base to tap into, you're going to flounder. You're going to struggle because then there's nothing outside of you in this 
to put your faith into. Yeah, it's an it's become an instant gratification society. You know, Absolutely. everybody wants everything. Yeah. They want everything now, like even with the relationship, right? They want the relationship now. They want it to be perfect now. They don't want to work on it now. They want you, right? Is that what you? Yeah. Well, and I like to tell people, you know, I see this a lot in, in the work that I do. And I like to tell people, if you're triggered, that's on you. That's not on the other person. <laughs> yeah. your problem. Yeah. You know, and we've become this society where if I'm triggered, everyone else needs to change for me. It doesn't work like that. If you're triggered, you need to figure out why you're triggered and fix it and work on it and, uh, you know, figure out how to deal with it. Not tell the rest of the world, you can't say this term because I'm triggered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <on> now. <laughs> well, well, isn't it true that people say things that bring up sensitive issues and maybe a past relationship or, or their upbringing and the other person kind of flies off the handle, right? Yeah, I see it all the time. And and I think that, um, you know, the people that are really thriving right now and not just surviving are the ones who have been able to take the blows and turn them into something really grand and amazing. But isn't that true in life? I mean, you know, the, those of us that get back on the horse and just keep going, you know, after we fall off, uh, the ones that survive, right? In careers, Absolutely. in careers, in relationships and all that, the people that bail they, uh, you know, they're quick to bail on it. They're they're never going to be successful. Absolutely, and you know, there's it's that's an interesting thing because I, I like to tell people try it because you can bail. That's okay, but bail for the right reasons. Don't bail because it got hard. Bail because you made a you know a logical, educated choice that this is no longer serving you. That's exactly right. We're talking to Michaela Renee Johnson, relationship expert, best-selling author, licensed psychotherapist, and pilot. Now we're going to take a quick break. Her website, by the way, is beyoufindhappy.com. Beyoufindhappy.com. We'll be right back with Michaela. Oh yeah, folks, you're tuned to the Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. The Vegas Voice, the voice for your health, wealth, and good times. It's the free monthly magazine. Learn more at thevegasvoice.net. Gentle Giants Dog Food Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the Caped Crusader, and now I'm the Canine Crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can, too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Replacing your air conditioning and heating system is a big decision. That's why Johnny on the Spot Air Conditioning and Heating tailors every new unit estimate to meet our clients' needs. We go over all the options with you and custom design a new system for you and your home. And of course, these consultations are always free. Schedule your free new unit estimate online at johnnies.vegas or call us at 702-JOHNNIES. That's 702-564-6697. Contractor license number 76827. Welcome back to the Vegas Voice. Now, here again, the host, comic impressionist, Rich Natoli. We are back talking to uh, licensed uh, psychotherapist, relationship expert, best-selling author, Renee. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Michaela, <laughs> Renee, right, Michaela Renee Johnson. And her website is uh, beyoufindhappy.com. 
And uh, we're talking about couples and relationships and all that good stuff. So now, okay, do you, wh- what percentage of the people that you see have lived together before they got married? And is that a good thing? And in your view, from what you've seen in your practice with couples, you know, most of the people that I most of the people that I work with are living together prior to you know getting together, married marriage wise. Um, and I, you know, I'm not sure what impact all of that has. I mean, I think it can be a good trial run. I, I don't really, um, you know, I haven't really spent much time diving into that kind of phenomenon. Yeah, I guess it just depends on the people, right? I mean, it does. Uh, yeah. Because do people do do you find that some of these people go, oh, I wish I would have lived with her before we got married because we found all these issues that we didn't know we had. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there is it, it, this is that red flag thing, right? But when your mindset is, I want this to work, I don't think you're necessarily noticing or looking for those things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, tell me about the book, the Be You Find Happy book. Um, well, so that's so. <laughs> I felt I found myself being kind of like this broken record, you know, mm-hmm. where I was telling I felt like I was telling every single person like the same things. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to put together like a really quick, brief workbook kind of deal that they can just um, a free. It's free. If you go on my website and sign up for my e-journal, um, which is like inspiring prompts every you know couple weeks, like six to eight weeks, um, you get it for free. And it's just really just something to get you started to kind of think about like a growth oriented mindset to think about the ways in which you're tripping over yourself. And, um, you know, just some basic tools, tips and tricks to kind of get you started. Uh, and I really did it so that I didn't have to repeat myself over and over to my clients. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you find that they're always asking the same things over and over. You know, people like to think that they're different, but we're really not that different. I mean, we all have so uh, – I can put whatever label on whatever we want, but at the end of the day, it's the same stuff at the bottom of the onion. You know, it's just all the surface stuff sounds – it looks a little different, but when we get to the core, it's all the same. Yeah. So how common is – like what, what do you see that people are looking to another person to make them happy? That they're not get, they're not getting the fact that – that happiness uh-huh. is inside of you and you got to make yourself happy. Nobody else is responsible for your happiness, but you, and then you can share it with somebody else. I mean, do a lot of people That's not, the, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 No. So this is the thing. There's two sides to this, this uh, coin here that I want to point out. The first one is I, you know, if I had a nickel for every time that I hear somebody say, he made me this, or she made me that, or, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, no, you allowed that. Like, let's start with your language first and foremost. Like, you are allowing that. Maybe it's serving you for some reason. Maybe you want to feel that way, but nobody can make you anything. You're allowing that. So when you start to take some ownership of your own life, then you start to have some impact on how your life goes, you know. Um, And the second piece of that, I totally forgot. I totally (laughs) Um, But, you know, it really is about mindset and how we change our language and and start to realize that, you know, we are responsible for this. And, you know, people often will show up and they'll say, you know, my, my mother-in-law made me this, or my mother-in-law is doing that. It's like, okay, well, how are you going to respond to that? This is the second piece I was going to say. Happiness is a constant reset, right? So there's always someone or something that's trying to steal it from you. And when you realize that, then you can start to create a better a better daily vibe. Like if, if you are the kind of person who is just so over the top, your whole day is destroyed because somebody did something, whether it's somebody that just, you know, cut you off in the car on the way to work or what, you're going to have a really hard go of it. But when you take this approach of like, okay, you know, there's always going to be something that's trying to steal my happy factor. How am I going to reset in spite of that? Um, you're going to start to find yourself having a lot more peace, a lot more peace. Yeah. And do you find, do you find the relationships, you know, that, are more successful are the people more alike or is it the opposite attract thing there are there like they're at opposite what, what i mean what's what's your experience with with those couples are you know the ones that are alike do they tend to survive better than the other the couples that are doing the very best are the ones that have no expectation of the other person that have respect for the other person and what they want to achieve and accomplish in their life and who can let things roll off their back. There is truly very little that's worth fighting over. And if it's worth fighting over, learn how to fight in a decent way with grace, with dignity, with respect, and with vulnerability. 
Yeah, that's a great point. So what about money issues? I mean, that must come up a lot, right, when you're counseling? The funny thing is I've yet to see a situation where people are on the street. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, And that's what I tell them at the end of yeah. the day. It's like, okay, we're dealing with this, and this is something that's you know stressful for certain. How are we going to you know pay the rent this month, or how are we going to feed the kids? But is it? Uh, do you want to be a team about this, or do you want to fight about it? What would you like to do here? Because that's that's your two choices. Either you're going to have a partner that's going to help solve this problem and is going to work through it together as a teammate, or you guys are going to sit on opposite sides of the fence and bark about it and lose a bunch of time and money together. It's up to you. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, but, you know, it, it, if, if you have two people, though, that have different kind of views about money um, – that that's a problem, right? If one person's a spender, one person's a saver, you know, there's problems there. I, I mean, this is very easily solved by by a certain separation of money. So, like, look, this is what I tell people. Create a joint account. Each of you put what you need to put in it to make sure that you're covering your bills. Put that little extra if you guys want to contribute toward a vacation together or something like that, whatever that's going to look like, or a savings if you want to say, hey, we're going to throw another 200 bucks a month in there for – you know, in case we have something come up that we don't expect, then the rest of your money is your money to spend. Spend it how you want it. And that takes the part that, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. And if it's a, if it's a couple where one person isn't making as much, then it's 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 ratio, it's a ratio, right? So it's the same thing like, hey, I make, you know, 10% of the household income or 50% of the household income. So I'm contributing 50% or I'm contributing 10%. And, you know, you just have to look at it as a business transaction, unfortunately. It really just needs to come down to that. And I don't think people want to think of life that way, but it's, it's just at the end of the day, it's just money. What's it worth? Is it worth your happiness? You don't get to take it with you when you go. You get to take your memories. You get to create a legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? Yeah, that's a great point. It's just, it's just money and stuff. It's all rented, really. Nobody owns anything. Right, right, Right. and who wants to? Right, who wants? Yeah, who wants? I mean, we all know these hoarders. I mean, do you do you see a lot of hoarders in these relationships? Uh, People that are just like you know, they're just hoarding everything. We're hoarding, you know, things and material things and money and all this stuff. And you go like, why? You know, you're only here for a short period of time. And you know, I just the the older I get and the more people that I've lost that I knew, it just really just humanizes everything and puts it all in perspective that we're you know none of us are here very long so it doesn't make any sense to value stuff as much as people value it well it's funny you bring that up because last night i was actually spring cleaning in the middle of winter um and you know i used to have a i used to be a in an all-girl rock band we were actually wow look at you really Yeah, we opened for Smash Mouth. We did the whole thing. I played Gosh. bass guitar and lead sing. We had, we had some groupies. You're, the whole you're, you're surprising <laughs> us like crazy today, Michaela. <laughs> Rock so I, you know, I've been carrying around this band equipment yeah. since my twenties, and I'm and finally I'm like, it, you know, I'm going to donate this to school. I'm going to put it up for sale. I'm going to do whatever. Like it's time. Why am I carrying this? this stuff around i am not going to have another rock band and if for some reason i decide to have another rock band i'll go buy another guitar (laughs) i'd rather have the space for inviting new things into my world you know what i mean for for new things that are bringing me happiness today and i think that what happens is we get stuck on the memory of it or we get stuck on you know what it represented in our life and when we're attached to things as our memory that's a problem you know and so i like to tell people that are stuck on stuff take some pictures create a photo album and then get rid of it yeah i that's a that's a good point because it it does it kind of keeps you stuck in where maybe you were emotionally at a certain time right it keeps absolutely. you from moving forward it absolutely does yeah um so what's the what's the ratio of like you see couples that have been married for uh you know four years, ten years, fifteen years? Is there a certain amount of time that that people get really more frustrated? Like, is it at the ten year mark, the fifteen you know, we hear about the seven year itch, the ten year you know I, you know, I don't know. I've seen I've got I've got couples that have been together, like I said, six months all the way up to thirty years. So I don't know about that. I'm not so sure. It's, I think it's usually more driven by 
personal growth. Like um, if somebody takes on something new in their life and they start to have a shift on how they view themselves and their own confidence, that's when I start to see these things kind of fall apart, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. I just, I just wonder, so you, okay, your office is where are you out? Do you work out of what state? I'm in Northern California. I'm in the Sierra Nevada. Okay, so you're up there. Okay. So with everything going on in California, you know, with just all these different things happening now, is it is that stressing people out more, like the cost of everything? You know, you got gas prices, which are high everywhere, but, I mean, the cost of living, all those kind of things? I have never seen such destruction of the human psyche like I'm seeing it now in California. Wow. wow. I mean, it is. is That's another book. That's another book. (laughs) It it really is. And to be honest, like for Uh, me um, as a therapist, you know, I'll have a nine hour client day. um, So 8 a.m. to 7, basically. And at the end of that day, my brain is so tired. I'm like, literally nobody talks to me immediately now. Do not talk to me. I am going home. I am going to have a glass of wine or I'm going to take a bathtub or I'm going to whatever and I'm going to go to bed. I'm done. I have stick a fork in me. It's over. And it's been very heavy and I find myself needing, um, you know, all therapists need therapists, but I find myself going to it's not weekly counseling, bi-weekly counseling, just to process all of the stuff. Yeah, because you're hearing people. people, you're hearing people's problems yeah. like all day long, yeah. right? It, it become yeah. you become like a, a modern day Bob Newhart. Remember the Bob Newhart show where <laughs> where, where the crazy people were calling him after hours. I, I'm on a cliff yeah. right now. What do I do? Well, jump. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. like a Rod, Rodney Dangerfield joke when he used to go. Rodney Dangerfield would go. You know, I, I'm I, I called up my my psychotherapist. I said, look, I'm I'm on a cliff. I'm I'm ready to jump. And he said, ready, set, go. <laughs> leave me alone it's funny being in this field you know i've got people sending me like elixirs you know they're like you need to make this elderberry elixir to reduce stress you know you need to put this coconut oil on your forehead yeah yeah and so i just need a gin and tonic thank you and so (laughs) yeah isn't that funny and so and so how different is how different is uh our people's uh backgrounds like spiritual backgrounds religious backgrounds is that a a problem with two people from totally different religious uh religions let's say you know i i've seen i see this it's not as often these days um but you know rich i went through my own personal growth experience in the past couple of years leaving the new age Mm -hmm. and um finding my way back to christianity so this was a big um time of transition in my life and um, just kind of really overcoming things that I had I had realized, um, and when I went through that process, I started to realize like, wow, how many people have been duped and suckered into um, the new age world, and um, it, it, it's been a really profound experience for me. And so there was a transition period where you know I didn't really take on many clients that had that as a core. Um, complaint because I didn't feel like I could hold that space for them while I was going through my own growth. So I have to be really cautious of that too as a therapist, you know, what I'm taking on personally when I'm going through transitions too. Yeah, sure, because you're only human. Uh, Michaela Renee Johnson, licensed psychotherapist, best-selling author, relationship expert. You can go to her website and uh, you can get her books. You can get them on Amazon. Uh, com is her website. com. Michaela, we love you. Come back again. We'll have you on again. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. You are too. Michaela Renee Johnson, BUFindHappy.com. Folks, you've been listening to The Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. Rich and I do this every Thursday morning at 10, and we love it when you come by and say hello. We know there's a million places you could be. The fact that you've chosen to spend a little time with us, it means the world to us. It really, really does. So check out the Vegas Voice website. There's all kinds of great articles, great stuff, great activities, coupons, columns, fun, fun, fun. TheVegasVoice.net. And join Rich and I next Thursday morning at 10 for more of this, The Vegas Voice. 
Direct from the Vegas Voice Radio Studio, it's the Vegas Voice Scams, Schemes, and Senior Safety. Everything you need to know to avoid becoming a target of elder scams. Now, here's your host, the publisher of the Vegas Voice, Dan Roberts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another segment of Scams, Schemes, and Senior Safety. I'm Dan Roberts, publisher of The Vegas Voice, and our goal is to inform you of all the bad stuff that surrounds our lives when we answer the telephone or reply to emails. I don't know about you, but lately I received quite a few telephone calls from individuals claiming to be debt collectors. I've gotten all kinds, from robocalls telling me to press one for more info, to others that claim I owe money for something I never ordered, to even claims for stuff that I know I already paid in full. Even worse, some of these so-called collectors even threaten to call the police to have me arrested if I do not immediately pay. Some even claim that they are the police, or even more frightening, lawyers. Now, rather than engage in an extended telephone call that you know you can't win, I found the perfect statements to ask to see if their claims are legit. Before you even think about paying, one, find out who's calling. Get the name of the collector, the collection company, its address, and phone number. At the very least, you'll throw him off his game. And if he refuses to provide the information, well, you know what to do. Two, get some validation information about the debt. Did you know that by federal law, within five days of contacting you, legitimate debt collectors must validate or tell you the amount of the debt, the name of the current creditor, and how to get the name of the original creditor? Again, force the guy to tell you all information. And if they refuse, well, you know what to do. Number three, and this is the best response yet, just dispute the debt. Say it doesn't exist or was paid months ago. Make them send you proof in writing. And if for any reason they don't have your home address, you know the guy's a scammer. Four, finally, don't even think about responding to any threats. If the caller threatens you to have you arrested, suspend your driving license, Medicare privileges, or Social Security payment. It's a scam. End of story. So what should you do when you get that telephone call? The answer is simple. Hang up the phone, hang up the phone, and hang up the phone. I do have one suggestion if you have any questions or concerns. Contact me. Afraid they're going to arrest you? Have no concerns. I'll post your bail. Just email me at dan at thevegasvoice.net. That's dan at thevegasvoice.net. We'll have more scams in future segments. Until then, this is Dan Roberts, hoping that everyone stays safe, be smart, and to always slam those scams. 